As you watch this teaching, I would like to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner and this is Friday Night. And tonight we're going to wrap up our series on symbols of the Holy Spirit. You guys, this is the 10th Home Group on symbols of the Holy Spirit. Hi, Denise. Hi, Rick. You look good in that red top. Well, thank you. You look good in that black top. Thank you. <laughs> Something new. Something new, a new color for you. <laughs> Home Group, welcome. Haven't you had an amazing time listening and learning about the Holy Spirit? Denise, I have to say something about black. You know, I wore black for years and years and years and years and years. I really don't wear it very often anymore, but I have recently in Home Group been wearing black. But one time years ago, I came into our office in Riga, and two of the secretaries were talking. And I said, what are you all talking about? They said, oh, we're talking about people that wear black clothes. I said, really? What about people that wear black clothes? They said, well, we noticed there's three kinds of people that wear black clothes. I said, okay, what kind of people? They said, well, we've noticed that very artistic people wear black clothes. Well, that's true. They said, then we've noticed that very intellectual people and wealthy people wear black clothes. And that's true. A lot of very wealthy people wear black, a lot of black. You were probably feeling like, oh, that's pretty good. I was feeling pretty good at that point. <laughs> Creative, wealthy, <laughs> prestigious people. I said, well, who's the th third category? They said, fat people wear black. A lot of fat people wear black. I looked at him, I said, because I was wearing black. I said, and which one am I? And they said, we'd rather not answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for years I wore black all the time because I needed to lose weight. But praise God, I lost 100 pounds. Yeah, Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. That's, so I don't wear black very often anymore. But I want to tell you, if you need to lose weight, you can. Jesus will help you. We'll pray with you. That's a real prison to live in. I understand it completely, but you can win the victory. Amen. But I also want to welcome Maxime tonight. Maxime, I noticed you're wearing black. Well, I've been working with you for too long, I guess. Okay, man. I'm not going to ask you which one you are. I know that you're intelligent, and I know you're powerful, and you're not fat. I'm happy to be here. Great honor for me. Thank you. We're glad you're here. And I'm glad to be with you. You're in, definitely not wearing black. In white. You're I am in white. white. I would like to know what it means when people wear white. Could you let me know in the comments? Let me know uh, what you uh, think it means when people wear white colors. I think people who wear white feel very confident. Probably. But if you guys need prayer, please call our office. Please write us. We will definitely pray for you. Amen. And I want to say... Thank you, thank you, thank you, if you're a partner with us. Amen. It means so much to us. Thank you so much. And if you want our free download, here it is. This is last night we're offering it, Symbols of the Holy Spirit. Get it right now at renner.org. For free. For free. And there's the whole series, 10 parts, Symbols of the Holy Spirit. And this is the last time that we're offering the two books. Are you ready for this? The Holy Spirit and you working together as Heaven's Dynamic Duo and why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But tonight I brought something for show and tell. Are you ready? This is special. This is very special. See this? You say, well, what's special about that? That's just barbed wire. No, it's not just barbed wire. This is from Vorkata, Russia. Vorkata, Russia 
is above the Arctic Circle, and it is where Joseph Stalin sent millions of believers to work in the coal mines, and they died there. There are millions of graves in Vorkuta, and I am not exaggerating. As far as the human eye can see, there are graves. You have to see it to believe it, but even when you see it, your mind cannot comprehend it. And I have been to Vorkuta many times, and once when I was there, I went to some of the old prison camps, which are completely dilapidated. They're laying on the ground, and there was one old guard tower still standing. Like a night tower. Like a night tower. And I crawled up in it, and I collected some of the barbed wire. And I keep this in our office because it reminds me that not so long ago, it's really not so long ago, it was a different time when preaching the gospel in this part of the world was not possible, where people suffered for their faith. But today a new time has come. And when I think of the people who suffered behind this barbed wire, I'm so thankful for the prayers they prayed. And today we're standing on top of their shoulders. They went before us. And because they were willing to pray and to give their lives today, we're able to do what we're doing. And I'm so thankful for them. And this barbed wire always reminds me of the sacrifice that they made for the preaching of the gospel. Maybe you feel like you're making a sacrifice right now for your family, for your Christian testimony. I doubt that you're behind a barbed wire fence, but you might be going through a really tough time. The Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory rests upon you. And God will help you through your situation, just like he helped the believers that stood behind this barbed wire back in the 1930s and the 1940s. But anyway, this is really a very important remnant of past Soviet history. Isn't that amazing, guys? It's beautiful. You collected a lot of those, and you sent them to partners. I did. I made plaques, and mm -hmm. to every plaque was attached a piece of this barbed wire from those gulags back in those days. Mm -hmm. If you've received one of those plaques, would you please comment that and tell us? We would love to hear that. Oh, yes. That would be so special. But guys, tonight we're going to review all 15 symbols of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? And I need your help tonight. And home group, we want you to participate. So we have seen that in the Bible, there are primarily 15 symbols of the Holy Spirit. There's probably a lot more. But there are 15 primary symbols of the Holy Spirit. And please remember to go to renner.org and get your free download of our study guide that goes along with this. It'll be such a good series for you to teach to a home group or to share with somebody. It's free, so go get it, the download. Number one, the Holy Spirit in Scripture is symbolized as? Oil. Oil. More than 200 times the Holy Spirit is symbolized as oil in the New Testament. Think how important that is. And the first time we ever find the Holy Spirit symbolized of oil is in the Old Testament. Whenever oil was poured on a rock, and it was called Bethel, which means the house of God. And that oil, the presence of that oil meant God was there. And likewise, when we find the oil of the Holy Spirit, God's presence is there. We are anointed with the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're told in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, we have an anointing from the Holy One. We have the oil of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, we are Bethel. We are the dwelling place of God, every one of us. Isn't that magnificent? Magnificent. Amen. Number two, we saw the Holy Spirit is symbolized in Scripture as dew. 
We saw that in Psalm 133, and this might be my favorite of all of the Psalms. Oh, I loved it. It was wonderful. And in Psalm 133, the Bible talks about unity, and it says that where there is unity, the Lord bestows His blessing. And it says that where there is unity, it is as the dew of Hermon. It's as the dew of Hermon. And the anointing, or the Holy Spirit, is likened to dew. We have to think about dew. Dew is what? It is the manifestation of moisture. Well, the moisture is in the air all the time, but you can't see it. You might even be able to feel it. If there's a lot of moisture in the air, you can feel it, but you cannot see it. It's there, but you cannot see it. But if the atmospheric conditions are just right, the moisture in the air shows up in the morning as dew. dew. And when it shows up, it shows up everywhere. I remember as a kid, Denise, walking out in our yard, my feet getting wet because the dew was everywhere. Every blade of grass was covered with dew. The lawn furniture was covered with dew. When I was a kid, if I'd left my toys outside, my toys were covered with dew. Yeah. When dew comes, it touches everything. And here we find a picture of the corporate anointing. Isn't that powerful? And when God's people get into unity, it creates an atmospheric condition spiritually for the power of God that's always with us, but suddenly that unity creates conditions for it to manifest. And that's when everybody gets touched. Everybody gets touched. That's what I always felt back when I went to Catherine Kuhlman meetings, Denise. You know, people came into those Catherine Kuhlman meetings, every imaginable denominational background. You remember because you went to one or two of them too. Catholics, Pentecostals, Methodists, Presbyterians. We were all there. What a mixture of people. None of us were agreed on doctrine. But when you came into those meetings, we all came there with one reason. People needed miracles. People didn't debate their disagreements. And I remember they used to sing the old Bill Gaither song, Alleluia. Such a simple chorus. But in the singing of that chorus, such unity would come into those meetings. And bam! The dew point would come in those services. And the power of God that was in the atmosphere simultaneously would just begin showing up all over the auditorium. It was the dew point. Somebody coming out of a wheelchair over there, somebody pulling tubes out of their arm over there, blind eyes opening over here. It was just an amazing thing to see. And it occurred in a moment of high unity. And that's what we find in Psalm 133. How good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's as the oil that was on Aaron's head, that went down his beard, that went down his robe. Here we find a picture of God's people so anointed they're standing in a puddle of the anointing. Oh, I love that. It says the dew of Hermon. And here we find that when God's people get in unity, the Holy Spirit, like dew, begins to show up everywhere. That is so powerful. It's so powerful. Okay, you ready for number three? The Holy Spirit is portrayed in Scripture as rain over and over and over and over in the Old Testament. And the Bible even talks about the early rain, the latter rain, and we saw that an immature prayer is just to pray, God, just send the rain, 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 send the rain. What happens 
when it rains and rains and rains and it never stops raining, that is destructive. It destroys harvests. You can't function. And here we find that God does send the rain. He sends the early rain. He sends the latter rain. But God knows exactly how much rain we need when he gives it. And rather than pray for a constant onslaught of rain, we need to say, God, send us rain in season. And the Holy Spirit moves appropriately as is needed in season. We need to pray correctly. Then we've seen that the Holy Spirit in Scripture is also portrayed as a river. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be as a river flowing out of you. He said this in John chapter 7. And we talked about that rivers bring life. They're filled with oxygen. They're filled with life. Wow, rivers are so wonderful. And we've seen that rivers make noise. There are deeper rivers, and deeper rivers usually are silent. You can't even hear them. Shallow rivers are a lot of fun. I love shallow rivers. You know, Denise, when we got married, we went on our honeymoon. We nearly destroyed my parents' car, which we borrowed, because I kept driving through those shallow little creeks. And we played in the river and the creeks and actually scarred our wedding rings picking up all the rocks. It was just so much fun picking up the rocks in those shallow creeks and rivers and they were so bubbly and made so much noise, but they were really shallow. The shallow rivers usually make the most noise. Isn't that amazing? Deeper rivers are more powerful and they're usually quiet. But shallow rivers bring refreshing. And they're a lot of fun. And the Bible says that there is a river which makes glad the city of God. We need to receive every stream in God's river. The deep ones, the shallow, the shallow ones, the loud ones, the quiet ones. The Holy Spirit is like a river. And there's something else. Just like rivers can bring life, if anything tries to stand in the way of a river, it'll be moved out of the way. And likewise, if you try to resist the Holy Spirit, you need to learn He's not the one that's going to move. You're the one that's going to be moved. The Holy Spirit's like a river. Yes, Joel? I was going to say that usually the shallow rivers are the tributaries to the larger ones. That's true. So the large rivers definitely need shallow ones. Then we saw that the Holy Spirit is also likened to water. Well, of course, we've already seen He's like rain, He's like a river, but He's also like water. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, where the Bible says, We have been made to drink of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's like water for the thirsty soul. And if you're hungry for more, God made you to drink. That word drink, the Greek word pino, means to be irrigated. God wants to irrigate you with the oh, Holy yeah. Spirit. So you good. bring forth life. He's water. <coughs> He's water to your soul. Can I say something there, Rick? Because sometimes, like things happen emotionally and tragedies and hardships in our lives. And you are like so dying of thirst in, in your heart for the touch of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to bring that water to you. He is water. And I just speak that to you. Maybe, well, there is somebody I'm talking to right now. And, and you've been through a very difficult time. And you just said, I'm just, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I just speak that water to Amen. you. That Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit refreshing water 
to you right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. I release that to you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, he's so good. Just take that in. Amen. Then we saw that the Holy Spirit symbolically is also portrayed as fire. Mm-hmm. For example, John the Baptist prophesied. He said, the one coming after me is mightier than I. Mm-hmm. His shoes, I'm not even worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire. And on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and there were cloven tongues like as of fire. Fire. The Holy Spirit is symbolized as fire. Fire. Now, fire is not always destructive. Fire is very energizing. It drives engines. It moves machinery. In fact, if there was no fire, the world would be very primitive. Well, there would be no heat in your house. Gas works with fire. And so the Holy, fire. the Holy Spirit brings energy. He's like fire. Fire also purifies. But hey, if you get in the way of fire, uh, fire's not going to move. You are. And likewise, if you try to resist the Holy Spirit, He'll deal with you. You're the one that's going to move, not the Holy Spirit. Then we saw the Holy Spirit is portrayed in Scripture as a dove. We read this in Matthew we read this in Luke, when Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him like a dove. Not as a dove, but like a dove. And it describes the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. You have to understand there are different sides to the Holy Spirit. He can be loud. Acts chapter 2 was a very loud event. He can be like a river that is really loud. The Holy Spirit can be like fire that burns. But the Holy Spirit can also be like a dove. He describes him resting on our life, like a gentleman working in our life, not forcing his way. But then we saw in Scripture, it's particularly Luke 24, 49, that the Holy Spirit's also portrayed as clothing. Jesus said to the disciples, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Endued, the Greek word enduo, is the word which means to put on a new set of clothing. And not just to put on a new set of clothing, but to settle into a new set of clothing. And now we find that God's intention, do you see how all these symbols are so important? They teach us so much about the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. God wants us to be so comfortable in the power of the Holy Spirit that it's like we just settle into it. It becomes our new garment. Isn't that powerful? Mm -hmm. Isn't that powerful? And, And you have to agree to that. You have to agree to put those clothes on. And you might look different than somebody else. But but if it's the Holy Spirit clothing you, then you need to wear his clothes because he's going to breathe life. He's going to bring life and joy. And it doesn't matter if you look different than somebody else. Then we saw the next symbol of the Holy Spirit is wind. Mm. And Denise, this is where the singing was. We sang Oklahoma. We did. Oklahoma weather. Wind comes sweeping down the plain. Right. Mm-hmm. Almost every Oklahoman knows that song, mm-hmm. which was written by Oscar and Hammerstein, I believe. Well, wind is powerful. Of course, we grew up in Oklahoma. We were accustomed to wind. Wind is powerful. I love wind. Denise loves wind. Wind, what would the world be like without wind? Do you realize how bad the world would stink if there was no wind? It'd be very stagnant. It'd be stagnant. The world would be full with pollution. We would spare the stench of death and decay everywhere, but wind keeps it moving. We wouldn't be able to fly. It would be a very stagnant world. 
There would be no civilization without wind. No ships could have ever come to America. No ships could have ever traversed any sea if there hadn't been wind. Wind is very essential for life. And wind today drives machines. It drives windmills. Today, wind is creating energy. Wind is very essential. But in the same way that wind helps create civilization, wind can knock you flat. If you try to resist wind, you're going to find out the wind is a force of nature. Wind will remove you. Wind is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's very powerful. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You can hear the sound of it, but you can't see it. Jesus said that. That's just like the Holy Spirit. You can't see him, but he's like wind. He moves. You can feel the effects of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask you to move among us. We can't see you with our eyes, but we want to feel your effects among us in our lives and in our churches. Amen. Amen. That just makes me hungry for the wind of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Amen. Then we saw that the Holy Spirit is a gift. We saw this in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, where Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift, gift of the Holy Spirit. That word gift, the Greek word dorea, describes a real gift. And we talked about the fact that you can receive a gift, but you have to open it. You have to explore a gift, or it just sits there in a beautiful wrapping, and you, you never know what's in it. Well, think how many people have received the gift of the Holy Spirit when they got saved, because everybody that's saved received the gift of the Holy Spirit. But so many people have never opened the package. They don't have a clue what they have received. They don't know what the Holy Spirit has. They don't know what He offers. They don't know what's in the Holy Spirit. They don't know anything because they've never explored the gift. Denise? I was thinking about uh, a few days ago, and uh, I gave Rick a gift. A wonderful gift. And it was wrapped, and it had a bow on it. And Rick, if you had just sat there and stared at the bow and looked at the box, you would have never, ever seen what was in it. Never, ever. And then that, that moment when we unwrap what it is we've been given. Mm-hmm. It's so precious. It is. Jesus did everything to give us that. And if we don't unwrap it, then then we're losing out. We're losing out. And also, people around us are, are losing out. When Rick unwrapped my gift, we all enjoyed it so much, especially Rick, of course. And he even said, I can't wait to tell my sister about it. I can't wait to tell my sister about it. He wanted to share what was inside of that box. We have so much. And Rick, I'm thinking of that scripture. We have this treasure in earthen, earthen vessels. vessels. You've got to open it to find it. Got to open it. But we need to move on because next we see symbolically in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is called a seal. Mm-hmm. And you see that in Ephesians chapter 1, oh, verse 13. That so good. And that verse even tells us when we receive it. It says, the moment you believe, you were sealed with that spirit of promise. You know, it's amazing. The word faith, the Greek word pistis, it really describes the divine spark that gives you the ability to believe. 
That's the way that I would translate it. Even faith is a divine spark that God gives you. You can't even believe without God giving you the spark to believe. But the moment that spark goes off in you and you believe, Ephesians 1.13 says you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The word sfregidzo, love that word in Greek. It describes a package that has been sealed only after it's been inspected to make sure all the contents are complete and in order, nothing flawed, nothing broken, nothing defective. Everything is so in order that a seal has been placed on it, the seal of approval, and the seal was also the prepaid postage to make sure it would get to its ultimate destination. And the seal bore the insignia of the sender, who was so powerful that when everybody saw that insignia pressed into the wax, they knew this was a special package that was to be treated specially. Don't mess with this package. And when the Bible says that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, it means after we got saved, God inspected our contents and said everything is a-okay. He gave us his seal of approval. When he gave us the Holy Spirit, it was the equivalent of saying, don't mess with this package. It belongs to me. And it's a guarantee we're going to make it all the way to heaven. Isn't that amazing? Beautiful. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, it says the Holy Spirit's also given to us as an earnest. The Greek word Arabon. That word earnest describes the down payment guaranteeing that the entire project is going to be finalized. When God gave us the Holy Spirit in salvation, it was God's earnest money, down money, to guarantee God fully intends to finish His work in our life. He's not starting and forgetting. God's going to complete the whole deal. Amen. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Amen. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Makes me want to shout. Then we saw that the Holy Spirit is glory. The word glory, the Greek word doxa, it describes the heavy presence of God. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14, Peter says, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. Mm. So the glory of God is not something that we should just ex experience from time to time. It rests on us. We can draw from that glory in our lives the Holy Spirit is glory in our life. Then we saw that the Holy Spirit is light. God is light. Well, the Holy Spirit's God. And the Holy Spirit brings light. He brings clarity. He brings a disinfecting power. He brings joy into our life. Everything that comes with light. And then we saw last night the Holy Spirit is like wine. And we saw that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be not drunk with wine in his excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we asked you last night, are you a vase or are you a wineskin? God didn't create you just to hold it. God wants you to be a wineskin that's constantly giving and needs to be refilled all the time. But all these are 15 symbols of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Is that amazing? That's amazing. And, and I have a word for somebody. When we were, when Rick was talking about the Holy Spirit as glory resting upon you and you're in a, a situation where you're standing for righteousness and those around you are not standing for righteousness and I'm telling you take that verse the spirit of glory rest 
upon you. Amen. Just take that. Amen. Let that resting power of the spirit of glory just come over your shoulders. Bring relaxation to those muscles and just let it come all over you. And minister to your need. Mm -hmm. By the way, if you want the free download, please go to renner.org. Symbols of the Holy Spirit is the last time you can get it this week. And if you want the whole series, it's 10 parts, Symbols of the Holy Spirit. And remember, if you need prayer, write to us, prayer at renner.org, or call us 1-800-742-5593. We've had such a good time with you. And we'll see you Monday night right here at Home Group. Bye-bye. If that teaching helped you, would you please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.